responses to all, all, all of them. So someone might be a little bit brief around. Um, some might just think, um, yeah, this is an interesting question. It's sort of, you know, not something that's really the time to ask, considering that, you know, there's 50 people here on day two, day three. So some things are really about, like, livelihood and so forth, which is a little bit further along the line. It's relevant, but, uh, you know, with livelihood, it's... <laughs> that's why that's why I became a monk and that was tough enough. <laughs> and that's what keeps you alive. Is is like, you know, really being alive or making a living. That's two different sometimes they don't always exactly fit. <laughs> but you know, you want to try to make sure you're staying alive. <laughs> you're really alive and then your livelihood supports you being alive not the other way around <laughs> otherwise you're not to live to work you work in order to support your living and that uh, generally commercial capitalism doesn't really agree with that <laughs> you need to work period and it's a few things that keep you existing while you do so but um you know, it's really livelihood is what keeps you alive. Yeah. Friends, uh, taking pauses, uh, stopping, asking yourself questions. What's really important? What happens if I die tonight? What's been useful? And the nine to five hasn't been been some use, but hasn't really dealt with lots of stuff I really need to deal with. I was got born here for. I didn't get born in order to do a job, you know, that's supportive. But I got here to work out some karma. And, uh, you know, part of that is is how I deal with responsibility and obligations of supporting a family and so forth. But there's also, you know, things we need to spend time with ourselves. And so, you know, livelihood should be that which allows you to stay in touch with yourself. It could mean, you know, looking at reviewing your job, your profession, and you know how where's this going to go, and can you can you negotiate within that? If you can't negotiate within it, it you should really consider something that enables you to feel your heart is connected to what you're doing. Um, you're doing some things you've, and you, you, it's in touch with your energies. You're not just over stressing yourself, trying to keep up to productivity targets, performance targets, because those things just go up and up and up. And we don't. We go <laughs> crunch, crunch. At a certain point, you start to get the peak and then go any further, you, you, you start to seize up. So you've got to look into those things. I'm sorry, I can't really deal with it. Because this is why I'm doing this. <laughs> God, somebody else. <laughs> um, so let's look at things I might have a few ideas about. One is what is about what is meditation? <laughs> There's a few questions here. <clears throat> somebody says, uh, I'm projecting lots of words and concepts onto this practice. Meta Divine Abidings, Udita, John's Wise Book of Meditation, 200 pages, etc. My feeble mind, what is practice in 25 words or less? Not, but it's a challenge, it could be 26 words. <laughs> well, the question was more than 25 words. <laughs> 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 You speak the essence of meditation, primacy of meditation in Buddhism. Why? Yeah, I can see obvious effects: calming, stilling, resting, etc. But the experience of the Dharma, the fundamental truth, the four noble truths. What happens in meditation? It actually awakens one to truth. 
This true something can only be experienced directly or understood when in deep meditative states. Are we looking for something, are we looking for something in particular? Or is it eventually truth becomes apparent? There's another one here on meditation. Sometimes hear about practice of insight, starting with some effort towards establishing samatha, sick, and then opening to insight, allowing thoughts to move readily. What do you think? So meditation... Well, meditation is an English word, so it's uh, there's a problem there, but it's an easy one. It kind of tends to be all sorts of things lumped under it, but generally it means cultivation of mind. You could say uh, very simplest way is is purifying the mind of uh, either harmful actions and also afflictive. Afflictive mental states and afflictive uh, and ignorance. You know, some, sometimes we're not even really fully aware of the afflictive mental states and processes that we are. Our mind is affected by. So that's that's the aim of it. And it's as yeah, it's as many things to say about it as there are about the mind itself. Because the mind is devious and uh, multifaceted. But uh, processes of samatha, calming, steadying, anything that gives rise to uh, the mind becoming more simple, unified, steadied, that's what we call samatha, so you can do this in a number of ways. Just focusing on a single object could be a, a sense of your body, could be a sound, could be a mantra. Uh, could be breathing in and out. Could be a, an image out, a you know, visual image. So anything that you hold your, your attention onto and stay with, with the aim and the intention, just to let go of mental constructions and just simply absorb that quality. So it could be the experience of just sitting here and finding within that what is the place that your mind can find that stay with that. Now, it could be a small point, it could be a, something like breathing it out, which is actually moving, but you stay in the presence of that, so your mind acquires a certain stability there. It could be the sense of groundedness, it could be unconditional acceptance, it could be something where you just stay, 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 let the moving stuff pass through, stay, 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 don't change your frame of reference. Frame of reference is called mindfulness. Um, sustaining that is the, is the r- right kind of energy for effort. So mindfulness energy. And that um, that's samatha. And insight is any any processes that involve some degree of what causes this. What when this is what is the condition for the arising of that? Where does anxiety come from? What brings it into mind? What does it do? Uh, how does it pass? Um, who does it belong to? So there's a sense of looking into conditionality. Conditions that everything we experience are conditions, but primary ones we want to notice are the mental conditions, such as happiness, unhappiness, fear, stress, uh, joy, grief, um, how, you know, and even the single shiverings of them, like a sense of nervousness or obstructiveness. What's that? So generally, you want to have enough summer to, to hold, have a, a whiteboard there, and you can begin to register these scribbles that run across it. That's meditation. <coughs> you know, in, in that, uh, <coughs> what happens, you know, is that at a certain point, <coughs> a shift happens. You know, that, that shift, um, we might call it the, the Viveka shift, is something steps back, something opens up. So instead of either running on with a line of scribble, or running back, trying to rub it out, 
or scrib- scribbling notes about our scribble. We go scribble and scribble. Uh-huh. So, and there's a withdrawal of energy from that. So it's neither averse nor is so. It's a condition. So that shift. There's an energetic shift, an emotional shift, a psychological shift. And it's a shift which allows uh, conditioned forms which normally one seems to be, or to have, or to own, or to be held by, allows them to manifest and subside. And in that process, that's the, that's the, what we call the purification. It's not sorry, disinfectant over it. <laughs> it's about just things coming to their their um, release so that's there's the shifting and you can you know um, stepping back you know, mostly meditation systems tend to involve having a particular thing or object or series of objects that you focus your attention on to, to generate that sense of one pointedness and it could be, you know, any of these themes that I've mentioned, something you stay with. And there's a certain uh, topic around that. One is that sometimes the, what can occur is that one is so with a particular object of meditation that, in a way, that kind of concentrated state prevents us from noticing other things so you know I might be really, really irritable I might quite a lot of irritability you know quite a lot of irritability potential but if I focus on that particular object I don't feel irritated at all I just feel irritated when some idiot coughs near me but as long as I can stay focused on that my meditation is going fine I'm really doing good you know until that person you know, rings a bell and I get angry, but never mind, because my meditation is going really well. Well, <laughs> yeah, it probably is, but is it really purifying the mind? You're still getting irritated by phenomena. So, yeah, it's great to have that sense of building up the power and energy, but also can, can have a deluding quality to it, in that you don't necessarily touch the stuff that is perhaps more peripheral or you don't isn't in your prescribed meditation theme but actually is pertinent so you know so very you know by and large meditation it can be seen as a particular set of skills that mean you hone and you sharpen your attentiveness but then you also want to have enough focus to include um, things that weren't on the agenda such as sickness or other people or um, you know memories that still have got a lot of potency in them. Therefore, you know, life in a way is the meditation. Live mindfully, fateful paths. Not a there's not a one thing that you do, the Dharma practice. It's not a one thing. It's a developing skills different so that you cultivate all round awareness within inquiry sensing where is suffering where is the edge of it where is the shadow of it where is that thing I shy away from that I don't suffer what's that and how much of that am I creating you know? So you want to have that that sense. So meditation is generally done in a within a context that also um, allows one to um, open up boredom. You talk about boredom in practice, and I was supposed to investigate it. This boredom is bored of investigating too. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, there it is. 
wonder what investigation is. Mm. Do you enjoy boredom? <laughs> Probably not. So, would you, if you don't enjoy it and you're experiencing it, isn't that? Where's the point at which you it gets so difficult you really want to find out about it? Is it negative boredom? It's a sort of don't wanna don't wanna don't wanna don't wanna so isn't that eventually a negative experience? Is it agreeable? No. Disagreeable, yes. What's creating it? Your mind. Your mind is giving you a disagreeable experience. Mm. Now you may say, yeah, but there's not enough of this, that and the other. Well, this, that and the other kept you stimulated, is conditioned, impermanent, subject to change. And here we are, it's happened. No Facebook, no telly, no Netflix, no... You name it, no. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, well, where do, where do you where do you start with this? Perhaps uh, you know, coming into your body, into your feet, walking up and down doesn't have to be interesting, but it happens. It's happening. Investigate the quality. Not all experience is pleasant. But all it, all it's happening. Investigate it. Mm. Investigate means get curious. Uh, seek your welfare. You don't want to be stuck with that. Seek your welfare. Generate some goodwill towards yourself. Mm. And if you can't do any of this then get to that place of can't do get to the place of can't do how does that feel stay there for a while stay there for a while something will happen it doesn't happen stay a bit longer (laughs) something will give Might feel angry, might feel compassionate, something will shift. Because that boredom is just like a blanket covering over with a negative, don't bother me blanket. Something is hungry for. And that uh, you'll find out what that is. Can you work a little more about working with emotional energy when it comes up, sitting, everyday life, for example, I'm working with residual energy, ending a significant personal relationship, including wanting to share what I'm learning in your teaching, my practice with this person to help him understand, suffer less. I'm finding the desire to want to share profound teachings is coming up a lot. I can feel energy, desire to connect with him as I sit. How would you suggest working with this energy? Body sensation to keep from getting stuck. I want to um, <clears throat> process of, uh, of proper attention is to um, trim everything down to a simple root condition, a simple simple root condition. So we might have quite a little little micro image there, 
certain features in it, wish to share, a thing I want to share, a person I want to share with, feeling of uh, how do I do this, so what's the one thing this comes down to as happening in one's heart, could be frustration, for example, sounds, sounds something like that, but it's up to you to to ask yourself, what's the one thing that's happening right now at this point when this topic comes to mind? Want, can't get, want to do, can't, don't know how to do. Sounds frustrating to me. That's the piece that you can uh, handle, feel it in your heart, feel it in emotion. As you're sitting, or walking, or standing, frustrated, tense, probably a bit pushy, edgy how does that that, when you're sensing that what is your somatic experience do you feel relaxed happy uh, spacious, tight, grounded and first of all get some ground feel the presence of your body there's this Breathing, or the feet, or the posture. That's not avoiding the topic, it's just putting a background on it. problem with most psychological and emotional issues is they have no background. They have a, only a conceptual background. In other words, we have a background of him out there somewhere else, but we have nothing to tell about here, now. There's no background. There's plenty of writing, there's no wall. It's just writing in the air. The world of space and time out there. Other people out there. Well, there's no answer in that one. In, in meditation, there's no answer in that. The resolution comes, you've got to place it right here. And the only thing that's right here, the only thing that's a location, is the body, mind is no location it goes, it goes anywhere it can zip off to Antarctica in a second as soon as you mention the word so it's, it has no location here, if you've got a location you can't meditate in this sense using these particular practices you can think yeah, and you can strategize and you can come up with some good ideas but that won't deal with the energy or the frustration. It will just push it along the road a little bit more. Because you're dealing with certain things that this friend of yours, well, that's, where's that? Something in your mind right now. Your wish to, what's a profound teaching anyway? That's something in your mind now. What's the desire to share? That's something in your mind now. <laughs> Where is your mind now? And so just give it some ground, some background. Then you've got something, you can feel that pressure. You can feel the push of it. You can, and as you sense it, it gives you, it changes. Something changes. You can't, oh, oh, you get it. Because it's a crystallization point. And the problem is this particular tight, frustrated sense. Now, there it is, and as I feel my breathing, my feet, my hands, they're not frustrated, they're just that. And there's a shift. You've got, now you've got something, the energy can now shift from that emotional state into an embodied state. Mm. and then you get an insight this is the Viveka shift I mentioned in meditation you, know, you get off the track of your your emotional pattern doesn't mean pull up the rails it just means get off the train where's that? how is that? widen your attention include your body stay there stay there with a mind of openness and goodwill, stay there. Something's going to shift. 
and you see the important thing is you can't you want to make every intention that comes forth you want to have an intention that you really feel is very genuine and reliable and has your goodwill in it and that's generally not got a specific do this it just says bring up the attitude of goodwill bring it the attitude of sharing and concern just let that rise and you hold that and then you might see in this particular situation oh, I can do that so you can't prejudge these things you know, you know sharing profound teachings well what's profound to one person may be a mystery to another what are you talking about uh, what you want I, I imagine is you you would like to see him not suffer well that's, that's lovely but even the Buddha go and teach people who wanted to, to learn <coughs> if you want something to learn the best thing is to th- stop suffering yourself then they say oh how come you're not suffering? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> you know, and being a, 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 a someone who's who can be present for another person without, you know, criticizing, jumping in, telling them how they should be, sorting them out. Well, they they're going to feel more open to that. But it seems if you're saying you're ending a relationship, well, you know, it's, um, I think you need to decide uh, how much, how much, what you want to do now in terms of that other person. Sometimes they don't exactly end like that, they sort of fade. you know, there's always a, a, a good point. It's always the when you ending relationships are just to say ask forgiveness. Doesn't mean you know I'm terrible. It just means that then it's there. You know, it didn't work. You know, sorry about that. And okay, you know. And so that's a very lovely open open gesture. You know, we're bound to. We're not none of us perfect. So we're bound to. So I just want to clear anything that's been difficult that's a very nice gesture that helps someone to you know see that you know you 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 are really uh, that's an offering already it's a very profound teaching already teaching in in that humility and, and kindness Spaciousness versus inquiry, when to strive versus when to just enjoy, are inherent in each other. Well, I don't, I don't know. Spaciousness is what's that? Enjoying or is it? Because you don't strive spaciously, do you? <laughs> Is that inquiry? Is that is that uh, striving? Anyway, um, maybe it's just enjoy striving. Then you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Driving can be fun <laughs> when you're really into it, you know, and you want to do some. Then it's going to be quite, quite interesting, quite fun if you've got the energy for it. But you don't want to strive as an obligation when you don't have the energy. You want to strive joyfully because you've, you've got a lot of juice and you've got some energy and you want to pull it out there. Then that's great, but. Um, then it's more like source-oriented, as you've got you know, there's a lot of faith, a lot of confidence, a lot of interest, you're in a good place, you want to bring forth the whole thing that's there for you. That's faith-based, 
In other words, one has a sense of aspiration, possibilities, I really appreciate where I'm at, yeah, let's go. But if it's just, if it's goal-based, in other words, I've got to get to this state in a hurry, as quick as I can, then that's not suitable because it, it doesn't necessarily provide you with the resources that you need. It's like if there's no gas in the tank, no matter how much you pump, push the clock, it isn't going to go anywhere. Um, so, you know, and part of uh, getting the resources is to enjoy. Because enjoying, enjoying Dhamma, enjoying spaciousness, enjoying calm, begins to fill up the tank. You're getting some good juice there. Getting your energy is getting restored. <coughs> energy channel, you're getting confident, you feel, um, so then you've got some, some, some stuff that you want to, you've got some resources to draw upon. And then senses just make you measured, measured, judicial application. And, and specific, specific, so get, you know, you know, Right, just to remove or work with this specific issue here, the specific difficulty, specific form of craving, specific form of affliction. Focus on that and see what is necessary for the removal of that obstacle. Much better to think of removing obstacles than gaining um, gaining things. Because often what we seek to gain is purely an idea in our minds. We don't have it right now. So then, you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you, you know, what are you looking for? An idea, something you read about. Well, there's something you don't need to look very far to find out about. Something that needs to be removed. Work on that. <laughs> <laughs> And then the rest of it sort of starts to follow on, work on the obstacles. And some of that work means being a bit spacious, because if your obstacle is a driven, uh, goal-oriented mind state that can never rest contented with where you are, well, that's an affliction. So spaciousness can be something that has to be deliberately encouraged, deliberately... um, uh, aroused in a way, deliberately sought, because you know, it's an important medium for release. What else? Is th- things need to be released somewhere. <laughs> you can't just tip them over the fence. You know? <laughs> it's a space that re- receives, the, you know, things. So you need to cultivate that sense of something you can let go into. That's my impression anyway. Some teachers focus a lot on radical acceptance, recognition Radical recognition of a concept, then full openness to it. I may be wrong by thinking here you say that it's best to imbue the concept with a wholesome feeling tone. Well, all concepts are only flags towards direct felt experience, so definition of a Dhamma is that it's that which is directly felt. So a Dhamma is a moment of direct experience, skillful or unskillful. The moment when it touches. So naturally we can form a concept about that. And the idea of concepts is you can carry them around. 
you can carry around a concept such as peace, love, friendship, whatever, and you can plant it anywhere. So it's handy as a flag, but it has no territory. You know, so the word peace is not necessarily a peaceful experience, is it? I mean, you look at the amount of stuff that gets done in the name of peace. <laughs> you know, bombing and yeah. so forth. Um, so concept is empty. It's just the designate, it's like a flag. So radical acceptance, oh, that's a nice one. But what does it really mean as an experience? How radical do you want to get? <laughs> so it's um, it's, a, it's a direct experience of non-creation. So something is directly felt, and there isn't the the um, pushing away or. Um, Deflecting it or appropriating it, it's just accepted. So there's a radical openness to experience, direct experience. And that can only happen at a level of being. That is, at uh, an ex- experience that happens internally as something that we dire- directly touches us. We accept presence. In other words, it's not. It's not we can't have radical acceptance of doing because doing involves a mutually shared world it's not acceptable to do whatever in a, in a, in a mutual world but uh, radical acceptance is a sense of first that we have the ability to accept and that may sound like a nice idea Frankly, we have most of us have limitations on what we can actually really accept, without either capsizing, collapsing, freaking out, going to some you know state or another. There's only so much you, know, you don't have the capacity to do it. Like the mind can be like a like a container that can handle, and as you develop more, you can handle more and more. But first, the container easily tips over, and you find yourself plunged into chaotic states or chaotic reactions. You just, you know, you'd like to be accepting, but it doesn't happen, and that's so. You, you know, and uh, the meditation, these exercises are pretty safe because there's no pressure in them. It's not like you're suddenly getting a huge emotional charge pushed into you. That's why the spaciousness and the safety and the groundedness within that. And it's very receptive. You're not going into, you know, hugely chaotic mind states, which you couldn't manage. Oh yeah, it's a nice idea, but we have limited capacities to be that radical and accepting. But over time, we encourage that groundedness. We begin to lay down a residuum of firmness, equilibrium, poise, capacity, (coughs) release, the ability to just release afflictive material without getting stuck snagged by it and that propensity grows and that allows phenomena to to be felt, sensed difficult, confusing afflictive, they can be sensed, they can be gently received and they can dissolve because there isn't the reaction by and large if we stay um, 
stable, focused, steady, just entering simple somatic presence in a quiet uh, atmosphere, you know, where there's encouragement and friendship and morality and so forth, then what arises is going to be manageable. And if you can't manage it, you'll know, because in fact what will happen is as soon as you get close to that, your mind will, will know. And that's okay, it does that. You know? So you have to accept how much you can accept. You know, so if you keep it quite calm and gentle, there's a, there's a, a mind governs itself. It means at a certain point, you can't, you know, what happens is you come into some memories of things that are just too difficult in the mind with this shift. Oh, no. No, no. That's okay. That means not now. Not yet. There's a point in which your mind kind of, oh, I think, I, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Don't push it. And don't start concocting you know, crazy stuff to test yourself. <laughs> yeah, you know, it'll grow in its own way, and and you know you don't have to go dredging. Uh, what you need to know about if you stay open and grounded, the appropriate stuff that you need to handle will come up, and your mind will handle what it can. And a lot of stuff it will just shelve. That's okay. We'll get back to that. Yeah. And so this using the body is a great. Receiver, a grounder, it's safe, uh, and uh, it naturally filters. You know, um, it's, a, it's a tremendous, uh, I find this is a tremendous uh, support. Because it doesn't intrude, it doesn't criticize, it doesn't analyze, it just, you know, it's on a somatic level, and if it won't do that, if it just kind of closes, then don't push it. You know, it knows your capacity. So that um, wholesome feeling tone is just the feeling, you could say it's a tone, it's not an emotion, it's a tone, and the tone we're looking for is safe, grounded, okay. It's not you know, ecstatic, but it's just a basic sense of, I'm okay, grounded, I've got some space, you know, I can't find any other words to use around that, I probably could, but I don't think it make it any clearer. <laughs> it's approaching equanimity. Could you offer more instructions that detecting somatic experiences seem to be in many non-places in my body, presumably isn't the body that doesn't feel, but neither, rather the mind's inability to perceive the messages. Well, yeah, okay. Well, the message there is none. That's a, a message of a kind. And uh, <clears throat> by a large None. can be just basically the mind isn't tuned in enough it doesn't pick up signals so you just sensitize it on things such as you know the sensations in your hands uh, warmth uh, quality of warmth in the body is a, is a it's not a specific sensation it's an energy that runs through your body feeling warm uh, feeling cool physically feeling warm and then you might also notice feeling warm as energy, like feeling bright, feeling vital, feeling eager, you know, as a, as a vitality. So you're starting to track immaterial experience in, in the body, you know, uh, you know, tracking it. And you might also say, well, such things as feelings, some space around me or no space, uh, feeling a pressure or no pressure. Um, so you start to detect things like that. Uh, and what occurs, you know, it, it, why somatic processes, well, I find them very helpful because generally what occurs with is that the um, 
the energies of the emotions and the energies of the of the body are interrelated. So with a strong emotional affliction, you tend to tends to have a, a certain somatic effect, like a constriction, just as if somebody screams at you, you tighten up. Mm-hmm. You tighten up, you don't decide to, you just body does as a defense system. Um, and so there are many there can be events like that in one's life. Most people seem to have had some degree of abuse. Um, or another, you know, so there can be that. Uh, it's also a safety system. I don't feel anything because it's too uncomfortable to feel it. Yeah. And it can be also something to do with resignation, like it isn't going to happen for you, so don't even bother. So it's something closes down, just put up with it. So it's something in you freezes up, so you go numb because the good, the warm, the friendly, the loving, the whatever is going to happen, so put up with it. So you something that closes down, rather than feel that sense of loss. So there could be um, some, some numbnesses can be just, you know, uh, just you, you know, your mind isn't acute enough. Some of it can be because of things that happened. Some it can be things that didn't happen. Mostly things that that did happen causes something much more like tightness or tension, constriction, whereas things that didn't happen <laughs> cause numbness. Like a, you didn't get the you know, the warmth or the support, so you just oh well, doesn't matter. Then you close down. We didn't get hurt or something, so you close down. Well, that's kind of what happens, uh, and particularly if it's repeated, it becomes a pattern whereby you know well, it isn't going to happen, so you, something closes. Now, you know, so some of this, um, so you start to maybe just if you feel a numb place, feel where you're not numb, and basically with uh, somatic processes, you first of all try to sense you know, other parts of your body or perhaps even the whole of your body as much of the wholeness of your body as you can if you're numb in your chest then what's happening in your belly or your throat or your face or your head or your back so you widen to include other places so you've got some reference you know, something like that or even down to your feet or anywhere where you can get there's a place where it is out of the afflicted, it's not in the afflicted, it's in, it's okay. And from there, you, you get your mind rest in that which feels, you know, this is, you know, I feel feeling alive here, and then from there, you go, well, what's this? How is this? And you must welcome that. How is it to even to run your awareness from the, the comfortable place to the difficult place and just move it around like you're stroking? Through that, or you're breathing through that. Breathing is good for this. Sweeping attention is good for this. It's like always that quite a gentle inquiry, like, how is this? How does it feel? How are, how is this? How is this? What's this about? How does this feel? But it's very you know, open invitation. Basically, everything wants to heal. Everything wants to be whole. But um, some of it's given up. And that those in the non places given up. Now, so, uh, you know, sympathetic quality is very significant. This is why qualities of goodwill as a general sympathetic resonance is, well, how is this? And mm. how does it feel? Feel pleasant? No? Unpleasant? No? Sure? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, but would you like it not to be there? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. It's called unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> But it's very significant when you can't, when you don't think it, you think, oh, it's just, yeah, it's okay. 
that means I can I can live with it. But that doesn't mean it's it does still means it's unpleasant just because you can manage it. It means you've given up on it. So so it's not so just to be able to know it's unpleasant to feel like this. Mm. I'm interested. Yeah. How is it? Well, you know, let start to speak. Starts to move. Sometimes it just seems to, doesn't say anything verbally, it might move in terms of energies move around, or you feel something else happen, somewhere on the part of your body, or some image comes into your mind, or. But at least you're not giving up. You know, you're staying with it in a sympathetic way. And is it agreeable? No. Disagreeable? No. Come on. <laughs> Would you like that to stay? No. It's quite disagreeable. <laughs> so there, there are the there are the kind of screens, because when we're disagreeable feeling that we can't feel we can't do anything about, we decide it's not disagreeable. <laughs> we say that's just life or me or <laughs> the way it is. So disagreeable feeling that you can't do anything about, you generally numb out on. And then, you know, who knows what the topic is, but that isn't really that's not the first question. The first question is just well, how is it? The question how is it? An open question, how is it? That's what we call loving kindness. <laughs> and with that, we're not saying, I want to understand, I want to release this, so I've got to fix it. No, we're not saying anything like that, we're just saying, how is it? How, how is that? I want to know. And then the numbness may start to shift. <coughs> for there for this evening. Thank you.